You're listening to the Up In Your Business Podcast, Episode 032. On this show, John Henry and I talk about leadership, entrepreneurship, and developing your self-awareness. You know, my mom cleaned toilets and my pops worked at a sweatshop. So, like, I, and we lived in the project building, so I understand all these things firsthand, but I've decided that I wouldn't let that define me. Welcome to the Up In Your Business Podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, where we are building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. Welcome aboard, everyone. If this is your very first time joining us, I'm very glad you stopped by. Now, I want to share with you a little bit about today's uh, interview. Uh, If you happen to be an entrepreneur thinking about being an entrepreneur or are in leadership of any sort, I think this is significantly going to play a role in helping you kind of move forward maybe in some areas. Uh, But even if you're not in one of those roles, there's some great takeaways in our conversation today. Now, one of the things that I find really inspiring, I think that you will too, is the fact that uh, John Henry, who I'm interviewing today, is only 23 years old. Now, he is an entrepreneur through and through, but more than that, I think he's wrapped a lot of maturity under his experience, and I think he's learning how to make that contagious with those that he leads. So without further ado, I really want to invite you to pay attention to this interview all the way to the end. There's a little uh, kind of a double dog dare from John Henry. I think you're going to enjoy And just before we jump into this interview, if you happen to enjoy yourself along the way, I would really appreciate it if you went over to iTunes and left a review. In addition, you can come to the website at AngusNelson.com, find out more information about me, about my speaking. Um, In addition, you can also join our uh, private group on Facebook, simply place up in your business, up in the search terms of Facebook, and uh, request an entrance, and I'll make sure you get to join us. So without further ado, here is John Henry. Welcome to the Up in Your Business podcast, where we are building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I am here with John Henry. How are you, John? (laughs) I'm all right, man. Good to be on here. What's the most delicious soup you've had recently? (laughs) Well... I just had some tomato and cheddar soup, which is pretty banging. I, and I noticed you didn't have any grilled cheese, so you obviously don't have any children, or you would know that that was the masterpiece of meals. Oh, no, no. I had it. I just scruffed it down before we jumped on the Skype. Good man. Good man. You know. So John here, he is a 23-year-old entrepreneur. Are you 23 yet? You're about 23. I'm 23. Yeah. 23, yeah. yeah. And he is, uh, began... 
uh, his career founding an on-demand laundry startup. And he sold that, then started to co-found Harlem, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering diverse tech and entrepreneurial ecosystem north of 96th Street in New York City. And most recently, he's launched Harlem's first VC or venture capital fund, for those that you don't know the acronyms. And he's got a whole lot of other balls in the air. Is there anything I'm missing in all of that, John? Um, well, in addition to raising co-found ventures, I am now, I teamed up with uh, David Rose to spearhead a new project called AREA. And that stands for A Real Estate Accelerator. So now we're also investing in uh, real estate technology companies. So companies that are in a, innovating at the intersection of real estate and tech, we're investing 50000 into them in exchange for 6%. We put them through a 12-week pretty intensive program, and then they go out in the world and do their thing. I find it a little ironic that you're taking 6% of the action when that's pretty much what happens in real estate transactions all the time. I'm out 6%, 3% to each of the bargaining powers now yep. disrupt that, bro. Disrupt <laughs> that. Not bad, not bad. I'll take it into consideration. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about what you're up to and, and what you've learned along the way. And um, I feel like we need to back up just a, a brief moment. If you could just kind of succinctly kind of tell your story, how you got into all this. Yeah, so uh, very briefly, um, let's see, originally from the city but grew up in Florida, okay, and in while in Florida, I came back to the city in my adult life, quote unquote, uh, at the age of 18 to pursue my first love, which was jazz guitar. So I came here with the vengeance, going to be the best musician in the world. I was working as a doorman to kind of help make ends meet. And um, and then I something strange happened. And, uh, you know, I took quite a bit of pride into being a doorman. And there I met a resident through that kind of attitude and that spirit that I brought to work every day, who offered me a business opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, in a nutshell, he made his money with dry cleaners. So he said, hey, look, you know, you can use my facility um, and I'll give you uh, below market rates as if you were bringing me wholesale volume. So I'll give you wholesale rates. I um, mean, you just convince people to give you their clothes. So I did that and went through quite a bit of twists and turns and somehow ended up kind of dominating the film and the television industry. Um, so we did all the wardrobe for big TV shows like Law & Order and Boardwalk Empire, a lot of HBO accounts. Um, did well with it, did that for two, three years, ended up selling the company in December 2014. Uh, and then from there, um, started an accelerator as a nonprofit, very interesting social impact model where... We didn't give cash to the companies, but we put them through a program. And in exchange, we didn't take equity, but we asked that the companies commit to stay in Harlem. So it was really fascinating and did a lot for the neighborhood, the morale, the energy. And so that, because we did a good job of it over the course of the last year, uh, is enabling us now to go out there and raise what will be effectively Harlem's first venture capital fund. So that's my story in two minutes. You know, we started this whole thing with the fact that you're 23. And you've been able to maintain a lot of uh, balls in the air at the same time, making a lot of uh, good decisions along the way. I'm sure you've made a couple of bad decisions as well. Yep. Um, so I want to come from both sides and let's start from the good decisions. What have been uh, the influencers, the coaches, mentors, or learnings that you've sought 
in order for you to make the decisions you have made? Great question, Angus. Um, in truth, I've never actually I've never been asked this. In truth, I think the best this the best decision that you can make is a daily decision, and that decision is to get to work. Um, and you know, because it's so much easier, it's actually easier to coast. It's so much easier to wake up later. It's easier to get off earlier. It's easier to spend time with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whoever it is that you love. It's just easier to do, you know, the thing that is not necessarily going to, well, look, I guess they call it sacrifice for a reason, right? So when you make the daily decision to get up early, even though it's uncomfortable, to stay late, even though you're like, you know what, I've, I'm done today. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what, let me bang out an extra hour um, and, and really push the venture forward. Um, let me actually spend four to five hours on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, putting in some extra work. So it's those daily decisions that in turn – lead you to, I believe, a lot of energy. So when you internalize that attitude, you put out an energy. You're not f***ing around. You're doing your thing. And as a result, um, through one path or another, be it an introduction, be it uh, uh, a random encounter that you have someone, an email introduction, the point is the types of people that you desire the types of people that you would like to to have as mentors and what have you once they meet you they're attracted to you and you you begin developing those relationships so um i've been blessed to have great mentors um although i'm sure that the majority of people say listening have also met you know a, a good amount of people that could end up being great mentors but the truth is if the energy is in rapport, you'll attract to each other. Regardless, of, like there's no secret thing that you say or not, or you know, or do or not. It's just showing up every day. And I think that people, uh, great entrepreneurs, great founders, they're attracted to that kind of stuff, and they'll they'll be more prone to want to help you out. Yeah, I think I think there's a, a great truth to that when you make a choice, you choose yourself, you choose your venture, you you commit with conviction. It's as if all the universe around starts to bring things into alignment. And I wish that there was some way to give a formula to that, to say, you know, A plus B equals C, and this is what's going to happen. I I think there's a lot more serendipity and a lot more um, uh, conviction. That's the word. Um, So as you determined your conviction, like the jazz player that you've been, you didn't have straight chords to play. You've right. done a lot of improvisation. Um, right. How do you teach that? How do you make that contagious through the startup culture that you're creating? You know, I'm doing uh, – recently I was contracted by eBay to do a podcast. It's a short affair, six episodes, and one of the the episodes is entirely dedicated to this question, and that is, is there an entrepreneurial DNA? Are you born with it? You know, my brother, who I grew up very close in age two and in, in circumstances, you know, he's a little bit more passive, but yet we had a lot of the same basic ingredients. So is it DNA? Is it not? Um, I don't know, but I can say that, um, I, I mean, I really don't know. Certainly, I meet some people 
who have more of a natural predisposition to be successful as an entrepreneur. However, I honestly, as I, as I said it, I didn't like the taste of that in my mouth. What I think <laughs> that the answer is, is that uh, it just, it takes doing something that you're so crazy about that, that, you know, you'll go to sickening lengths and measures to see it come to fruition. So I've seen great entrepreneurs that are nerdy and awkward and, you know, they may not, they may develop into being great communicators or they may not ever, but the point is they can't stop doing this thing. And so whether, whether they strengthen themselves by, by per, like recruiting someone who can strengthen the weaken the weak link, or they themselves can strengthen their, their, uh, areas of skills where they lack, it doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it. So for me, an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur is a quality, Angus. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, it, and the quality is someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes what they do. So when you mix it with sales, you get Mark Cuban. When you mix it with design or intuition, you get Steve Jobs. When you mix it with tech, you get a Zuckerberg or a, uh, a Gates. When you mix it with a numbers person, you get a Bezos. Uh, and so you see, you can have all different types of personality traits, but the entrepreneur is a quality, I believe. Mm-hmm. So when you are um, backing up here into, you know, going back with co- co-found Harlem and doing the startups. So when you are selecting the people that you would want to work with, how do you identify those qualities? Because there's oh, some man. people can give you a snow job. And you can think that they got the qualities. And then there's other people who at first don't show that. So how do you kind of draw that out to determine? Um, I'd say I'd say it's for me, for me personally, I don't know how the other guys do it. I can only speak from my experience. It's been something that you can just feel from a person. Now, Sometimes you feel this kind of energy from a person, but they're just not there yet, um, depending on what stage you're investing in, what have you. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that we invest very early stage, you know, so there's pretty little in terms of like traction and stuff that we won't consider. For me, the most important step is just having taken the first one. So, um, you know, it, for instance, if you say that you have this great idea and even if you have that quality, whatever, but you haven't done anything for the business, then I'm skeptical because um, having that quality by definition means that you've gone out there and you've taken the steps. So I think the best indicator of this quality is you look for someone's results. Now, not the magnitude of the results because everyone has to start somewhere, but merely is the seed that you planted, is it growing? And so for me, the most important indicator is that it's, gr- it's purely that it's growing and not, again, the magnitude of the growth. So for instance, um, just the fact that someone, you know, started, let's say, 90 day, you know, three months ago and, you know, they had a website and then they had a one customer and then, you know, and then from there they were able to get a vendor to fulfill that need and what ha- it's, it's that forward progressive mm. progression that I look for. And when a founder embodies that, you can just tell from speaking with them, they may not have the highest IQ, they may not have all the skill sets that they need, but it's a quality that just is exuded from a person, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
So when you take a look at taking that raw X factor, the yep. that that entrepreneurial what whatever it is, what are some of the elements that you want to craft as your you yourself are mentoring them, coaching them, and bringing them into um, a more expedient forward progression? I think the best thing to craft is to to teach, and it's something that I'm still learning will be a lifelong student of, but it's to, to ask questions. And so the best founders that I've had the pleasure of meeting have the most interesting questions and not the most interesting answers per se. You know, they, they quite, so for instance, you know, and it's not like, yeah, it's just, it's just question. It's questioning things, you know, like I remember I was having a conversation with one of my founders and co-found Harlem and, um, you know, this detail is a bit technical, but we were speaking about uh, we were doing Facebook ads, Facebook targeting. And Facebook has a, um, a, a feature called a look-alike audience. So, for instance, if I import my mailing list into Facebook ads, right, then I can target everyone on my mailing list with a Facebook ad. Okay? Nothing complicated about that. Now, what Facebook does is they allow you to take that same audience and essentially duplicate it so that you can target a group of people that in theory are identical interest-wise and, and age-wise and pretty much every type of wise that you can think of as that original mailing list audience. Okay, So you have audience A and then Facebook, based on all the data that they have, they can clone that audience, give you audience B, and then you can market to them as well. Um, and I just remember telling my companies this, and one of my founders was like, yeah, but I like I took Facebook's, you know, just because they have the brand and whatever, I just, I was for sure that lookalike worked and worked really well just because it was Facebook. And I'm not sure if it does or not, um, but the fact that one of my founders was like, wait, but, you know, why? I'm skeptical. How, you know, based mm -hmm. on uh, off an email address, you know, there were a lot of things that we, a lot of questions that he raised that we dove deep into. And, you know, Facebook will be the first one to admit that they're refining their product. But it's that kind of attitude when you look at something that's, that's generally considered to be true and you dig a little deeper. And you may find that it is true, but you may find that it's not. And, and you, you know, so it's that kind of quality that I think is the most important to hone. Hmm. So let's, uh, let's talk diversity. You are in Harlem. How thrilling is it to be part of being a catalyst of bringing diversity into the tech space? How is it working? How are you inspiring people? And then how are the results? So it's a little awkward for me because, uh, because of my take on, on diversity. Okay, so... Obviously, you know, I'm a brown man, right? So, so I deal with, you know, the things that and the, and the prejudice and the racial uh, tendencies that people have and what have you. Um, but at the same time, I have been very public and very vocal and very firm about my belief that, you know, innovation is colorblind and that for as much as race is a thing, you should not view the world from that lens so much so that it defines you that even although it's true you know for if you look at a career or your life in terms of running a race 
you know, perhaps our white male counterparts like you, Angus, had a bit of a leg up uh, just in terms of like, uh, just in terms of socioeconomic status and stuff like that. However, like that's kind of where it stops for me, you know, like just acknowledging that it is a thing, but then working tirelessly not to prove anyone wrong, not to prove that black people can do it too, or that Hispanics can do it too, but just to do, just because is what I love to do, you know? Um, and so, Angus, that's been a pre, like, I receive a lot of f***ing heat for that, you know, just yesterday, yeah. actually. Uh, people tweet at me and like, how could you, you know, you're, you're a leader in, in the movement, like, you can't give people the wrong idea. So, you know, I have a lot of responsi responsibility, I suppose, to say what's politically correct, but I genuinely, I don't know what you think, man, but I genuinely kind of think that. I mean, see, if a guy, if a white guy like you said what I'm saying, I think you'd be considered racist, right? Right? You'd be like, you'd be like, oh, well, you, they, you don't understand what it's like. But it's, a, I think I have a unique, I have the unique ability to comment as someone who grew up from immigrant parents, yeah. grew up in, uh, with an annual income of less than 25000 and I have, there are four kids, so there's six of us in a one-bedroom apartment in, in Washington Heights with less than 25k of income. Like, that's pretty, that's ridiculous, you know? My yeah. mom cleaned toilets and my pops worked at a sweatshop. So, like, I, and we lived in the project building, so I understand all these things firsthand, but I've decided that I wouldn't let that define me. And for as much as I have yet to accomplish, the little bit of success that I have had, I think serves as a testament to that. I think that that approach really works. What do you think? Um, I wholeheartedly agree. In fact, I was interviewing a young lady several months ago, and I asked her a similar question along the lines of diversity from gender. And she said, I never thought once about it. She said, I just decided. And right. I think there's something to be said for that is we should never let that hold us back. Now, for me, I don't think be, I don't think I've been successful because I'm white. I think I've been successful because I'm charming. <laughs> you so let's talk about on uh, the same cultural issues. And, and, you know, my my family's brown, too. So I don't know if, you know, my wife is is Haitian and, and Filipino. I didn't so. know she was Haitian. I thought she was Hawaiian. Uh, so she's born and raised in Hawaii, uh, but she has not one ounce of Hawaiian blood. She's oh, wow. half Haitian and half Filipino, um, but yeah, fully Hawaiian in her appreciation for pokey and and spam and all sorts of ridiculous stuff that's fantastic and delicious. Okay, so from that same cultural standpoint, and now we're we're spinning the word culture here. How important is it to develop the right culture and how does one do that appropriately in a startup from the get-go or do you have to bring someone from the outside or does someone like um, an accelerator like yourselves help to create and craft the right culture to a company? So even though I'm, I'm running two accelerators, I think that accelerators can do more harm than good in terms of culture. Um, and I think that that's something that's interesting that Y Combinator does and has a, largely attributed a good part of their success to is that Y Combinator, they don't, they don't require you. They don't have office space. You can't go there and be there all day, every day, because uh, truly, a, you know, the, the culture is, is a thing that's between the co-founders. And so, like, when you have all these companies together, um, I think all different types of founders' biases and and 
uh, all kinds of sheep-like mentality starts being encouraged, uh, mm. whether whether one knows it or not. So that's in, so that's that. But in terms of culture, I mean, I think I think just about the same as as ever, anyone else who's had the great joy and opportunity of creating a company culture, establishing one. I had the fantastic. I had a fantastic culture at Mobile City when I was when I was growing it. Everyone, even though we were tackling dirty laundry, would tell me that they love their job. And I think that it started. It starts with it starts from the top down, man. The culture is quite literally until you get much larger. But then you know it's a different issue. Is how is the founder exactly? If you take a hard look at your values, like in a company in a startup the company will tend to be good at exactly what its CEO is good at or what its founders are good at. So I happen to have really strong people skills uh, because I was a doorman for so long, well, a couple of years anyways, and I was very hospitable and very service-oriented. As a result, um, my staff was exactly the same way. They were so warm. They were great. They were loving. They were open. Mm -hmm. I uh, always had them be honest with me. There was no getting in trouble which was interesting because the dry cleaning industry, like you would, it's an archaic one. So you would get in trouble and get fired. Be like, guys, we fucking, we ask questions here. You know, like we, we work, but we ask questions. And so I think that that's, I think that's how culture is, is created. Maybe you've seen the same in your experience. Yeah. Similar. Very, very similar. I think that leadership has to choose what the culture is and it is trickle down. If leadership is controlling, if they are micromanaging, then yeah. they should be they should not be surprised when that kind of chaos starts to filter into the rest of of, you know, their team. Yeah. Um, which takes me to the next question here. I I want to ask you about leadership. So, how do you describe or how would you define good leadership? Um I think effective leaders still something that I'm learning to do uh, places. I mean, first of all, they go to ridiculous lengths to get the best people that they can, but then the dangerous part. So once you've done that, which is ridiculously hard, but then the dangerous part is once you bring them in, you may, if you're a guy like me, have the tendency to micromanage and be involved in every aspect and great leaders they'll, you know, they'll trust you with, They'll entrust you with the duties that they brought you on to do, you know? So if you bring someone on, let them do their shit, let them do what they do, you know, yeah. and, and trust that you brought them on for a reason. And so I think a great leader does that really, really well. Um, and, you know, I have the great opportunity of being in a role like that. You know, I've been recruited to run this program and I was a little hesitant at first because I've always been you know, founder, co-founder. I didn't found this organization in this in this case, um, but David and his daughter Lauren. You know, they said, John, we're we're gonna bring you on board. You know, you get the you know you get the nice office. You build the team out. You design the program. You know, you select the companies. You're making the like this is you. And you know, they dropped me off here in this in this office, and and they've. They've allowed me to do just that. I'm building out the program I want, and I feel great as a result. So then that takes me – congratulations, by the way. I think that's Thank really you. exciting because then it just lets you do your sweet spot, and you don't have to worry about the numbers and all the stuff that can tie you down. Exactly. I mean you still got to produce, but you're not in charge of like the minutia of that part of it. So where are the points of leadership where you fail? Uh, I think that – it's very difficult for me 
to it's very difficult for me to have a different level of expectation for others than I have for myself. Um, and that has been like a constant fault, well, a constant fault, a constant source of friction that I have with others. Because for me, it's normal. It's like literally normal for me to work 14, 15, 16 hour days. And, and I have no, uh, no distinguishment between the weekends and a weekday like or a holiday. It doesn't matter to me. Maybe it's at the point where I'm in my life or, you know, I'm so young and I think, you know, I don't have any, any tremendous responsibilities. So I just work all the time. And, and it's sometimes it's difficult for me to see someone not work all the time and still think that they care as much as they say they do, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that whole element too of when, like people like yourself, you would, you could say you have this this resiliency and, and this drive, and then there's other people who are in your same boat, same age, single, and are binge watching Netflix and doing all this stuff. And they're like, "I can too busy. I ain't got no time. I, I can't do anything." And it's like, I, you, what's the old uh, saying is, you know, if you want something done, ask a busy person. And as yep. as someone who's married and has three kids and has a mortgage, and I'm like, I get up at four thirty, I get up at five, I gotta, you know, I do what I gotta do to make it happen. That's and right. yeah, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they, I, I said, you know, time or uh, money is not important. Conviction is what's important because if you have a conviction, you'll find the money and you'll find the time. Hey, I like that. That's good. You can steal that. Just you know, make sure I get the credit at least the first two or three times. That's something I hadn't heard, actually. You'll get the credit. You'll see it. <laughs> It'll be fun on Twitter. So here we go. Um, what is your end game in life? What do you need to accomplish in order to say, I've arrived? Uh you know, I used to think that there was this moment where you say that I have arrived, you know, I've arrived. And it's funny because in my mind, for some reason, I always attributed it to a, a Fast Company article. <laughs> right on. Yeah. It just so happened, you know, I think it was like a month or two ago, I, I got a Fast Company article. And I was, it was like the headline piece. It was awesome. So like, now you're retiring to the, the, the islands? Is that what's going on now? You're done? Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's what I thought that it would be. And then I got the piece. I was like, wait, this is like, I'm just getting started. What's going on? So I no longer think that there's this, this thing that I have to do. I just, I genuinely, in, genuinely enjoy creating businesses. It's what I like to do. And so I know, but I can give you a more concrete answer. For instance, I know that uh, I don't own any buildings right now, but... Uh, there will be a time where I'll, I'll likely move out of startups um, and buy buy buildings or, or maybe do both co-currently. I don't know, but I really want to buy buildings. I want to be a real estate developer long term. That's an interest of mine. I like creating physical things that sustain livelihoods and that create community and shit like that, like on a different level. So I'd love to do that. Um, despite my age, you know, I have no desire to run around like I I have a great girl now um that you know i don't know i want i want to get married i want to have kids like i want to be like you man like you have your family man you're doing your thing um 
you know, and that to me counts for a lot. And so if I can do that, if I can have that space in my life fulfilled and continue to do biz, do business and make money and do well and then help others out, then that's sweet. That's actually kind of where I I feel now. Like my, my answer to that question is probably pretty similar to that is, is I love my family. I love my kids. I have a great marriage and, and that's my hustle, right? So everything is about maintaining that. Exactly. And so everything else, you know, is, you know, I, I help people just because it's who I am. Right. And I'm going to keep doing what I do. And if I can get paid for it, even better. And in fact, that would be ideal if I could do that full time, but we're not there yet. So we're going to keep, you know, doing what we got to do till we get there. Um, so here, as we were kind of coming in for a landing, I want to ask you, uh, by the way, it's, it's hilarious. We're, 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 we're doing this interview over Skype with video and John's been walking around his office and pacing the whole time. And so I'm getting like views of the office and then outside his view and seeing all the buildings of New York City or Harlem. I don't, I don't know where you're at right now, but that's... that's... I'm in the financial district. Oh, FIDI, right on. Yeah, some of that architecture is fantastic yeah, as he's right. showing it off to me. All right, so do you have yourself... You know, there's oh, one, thing, one thing to have the hustle, but do you have some personal or professional development practices that you maintain and recommend? Uh, yes. Um, yes, that one's quite easy for me. Um, there are some that I like to strengthen that I'll get into in a second, but there are some that I do uh, quite consistently that have helped me along. Um, and the, the practice that uh, I've really leaned into is meditation. And when I say that, I'll get a lot of people that say, oh, my meditation is swimming. My meditation is, you know, X, Y, Z. Okay, great. That's phenomenal. But I'm talking about like actually, me like actually meditating. So I'll sit down, you know, in quiet. Um, you know, I started at 15 minutes at a time, and then you go 20, and you go 30 minutes. Um, sometimes, as as often as I can, uh, I do it in the morning and in the nighttime. More commonly, more commonly one or the other. But certainly meditating and. Uh, I mean, I suppose if I were to get into the types of things that I think about or try to cultivate, like it'd be getting spiritual. But um, I just try and I think in a, in a nutshell, what I try to do is I just try and feel emotions that make me feel good. And so I think there's a that's a pretty like simple way to think about it. So, for instance, gratitude, like it feels so good when you're grateful for something. Or doesn't it feel so good when Angus, like those moments where you're most in love with your wife and you're like, oh man, like I'm in love or uh, to trust or to have faith or like those good emotions. Um, I think there's so much to be said about how, how you're feeling. And so for me, it's become a very, and this is something that I've developed over the last couple of years, like intentionally, consciously. For me, I try to, as often as I can, check in with how I'm feeling. And if I'm feeling like sometimes I think I'm feeling great and I'll tell people that I'm feeling great. But then as I do like what I call an emotional audit, it's just something I came up with. But um, as I inquire, I'm like, OK, I'm supposed to be feeling good, but actually I feel anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? Oh, that's because I'm running late. Uh, and what am I afraid of happening? Like, you know, and then I and then I may trace the source of it. And once I dig like 10 levels deep and think, oh, f I'm afraid of failing or I'm afraid of X, Y, Z. So anyways. 
meditating has really allowed me to be really, really closely in tune with how I'm feeling at all the t- all the time. Um, and that's not to try and that's not to say that I try and put myself in a happy place all the time, although I do. But I think the more important thing uh, is to just be aware of how you're feeling. You know, so if you know if I'm being if I'm feeling jealous, why? You know, can I acknowledge it? And I think the faster we can acknowledge, and the more accurately we can acknowledge how we're feeling, um, the better off we'll be. So, so that's one. You know, that's something that I do. Um, also, when I'm up, when I'm at my peak, when I'm operating like peak performance, and I really wish that I, I'm like really, really wish that I could operate at peak at all times. Uh, but certainly. Uh, doing yoga or some kind of physical exercise really goes a long way for me. Um, eating well, I don't eat as well as I should. It's pretty difficult sometimes, but maybe that's just an excuse. Um, what else? Uh, and reading. You know what? Like I've felt best and sharpest when I read all the time. There was a point in my life where I think maybe a year I read the New York Times every single morning, Saturday, Sunday, every day. And you'd be surprised what the amount of information you can recall and how astute it keeps your mind, stuff like that. So I'll wrap it up there. Like reading yoga slash exercise and eating well, I wish I would do more of. But certainly one thing that I've been able to hone is meditation. Yeah, those, those are great. And I, I would confer, concur with all that stuff. And I wrestle with it myself. And my early mornings, I, I don't eat breakfast. Um, a cup of coffee is my breakfast. Yes. My wife jokes because I don't just like like roll out of bed. When my brain goes, I'm in. I'm a game on. And yeah. so I I more or less spring out of bed, and she hates it, especially when I do it so early in the morning. I did an interview um, with uh, Jeff Sanders. I talk about him all the time. He's becoming a good friend. He's a local. He wrote a book called 5 a.m. Miracle. I'm going to plug it every time I can. And he just talks about those morning rituals, and I'm trying to get better at those rituals. And one of them that I have gotten better is just drinking more water. Ah, uh, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I like what you said about meditation, too, because a lot of people think meditation is simply emptying yourself. And right. though I, I think there is, there's an element of that, but I'm also, uh, myself, more contingent upon the filling up. And that is part of gratitude. That is part of equipping and part of... I use visualization to see myself as powerful and see myself influential and see myself as capable because yep. that drives emotion and emotion drives relationship. Relationship drives opportunity. Exactly. Hey, what was the name of that book? Uh, 5 a.m. Miracle. Sounds super interesting. I, have to check ah, out. I will send you a link. I'll make some intros for you. I'll hook you up. Well, thank you so much, John. It's always a pleasure Absolutely. to hang out with you. Hopefully, we'll get to uh, hang out with each other in Aruba come September. That's and, right. Uh, the Aruba Tech Conference, everyone, if you're interested in going to Aruba and hearing an international lineup of uh, tech speakers and startup speakers, please do go to atechconference.com. That's letter A, techconference.com. By the way, I don't organize it. I think Angus, Angus and I just went last year, and we're so stoked about it that we're, that we're spreading the word. We are spreading the word. In fact, I need to start hustling that some more. It is September, I want to say, what's the dates 15th. of that? 15th and 16th or something like that, or 15th, 16th, 17th? They may even yeah. do three days. I think I saw something like that. But it's at least two days in Aruba and stay on the beach. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so there's a great plug for our friends, uh, Tristan and Val and um, all the crows and all the – 
Um, yeah, the whole team. They're they're awesome. You, yeah, you, Rudy. Right. Yeah. So if people want to get a hold of you, Mr. John Henry Style, how do they go about doing that? Um, hit me up on Twitter. That's at John Henry Style. So John J O H M Henry, and then the word Style. Uh, I'm great on there. You can also hit me up as an experiment. If you listen to this all the way through, drop me an email at uh, jh at cofoundharlem.com. So that's just letter J, letter H, at cofoundharlem.com. And just say, hey, just say in the subject line, say, I made it all the way through. And then I'll say, f*** yeah. So do that. (laughs) Fantastic. I appreciate you, John. Always, always a pleasure. Like I said, can't wait to hang out with you again. Yo, thanks so much for having me, man. It was an honor. You bet. Take care. I want to thank John for being on the show today. I um, want to touch on something that he mentioned uh, early into the conversation about making a daily decision. You know, one of the biggest elements to success, one of the biggest elements to moving forward in anything that you're doing is simply showing up. I think we talked about that in one of uh, episode 001 with Joel Kamm. And one of the things he said was just to show up. And I think that's a critical factor. Um, This weekend, I had the opportunity to share at Craft Content Nashville. And my topic was about the whole element of the fear of success. Now, I know you may think you didn't hear me right. You thought I was supposed to say the fear of failure. But actually, I was talking about the fear of success. And ultimately, the fear of success is rooted in this whole element that we disqualify ourselves all the time, that we think that we aren't capable of being the kinds of people that are necessary to accomplish the things we see ourselves accomplishing. So therefore, it's easier in our minds if we simply discount ourselves or if we simply, you know, make sure that we're not valuable or, or, or self-sabotage ourselves in some way. Because that way, we can stay right where we're at and not have to change. And so in that, I want to just kind of encourage you from the perspective of the way you get past all of the things that are holding you back is to begin to do the things that you're afraid of. To step out and do the things that are on the path to your inspiration, but yet cause you perspiration. You know what I mean? The things that are a little intimidating. To just get started is the biggest thing you can do. And I want to encourage you that whatever you're dreaming about, whatever you're thinking about, I would love to hear from you. You can simply send me an email at hello at Angus Nelson and tell me what is it that you're going to do? What is it that you're dreaming of? And I want to just double dog dare you myself to say, when will you start if not today? I think today is a great day to get started. And I hope that after listening to this show, that you will decide today to do the thing that you need to do. And tomorrow, decide to do the thing you need to do tomorrow. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity to come before you every week and share my heart to interview great guests. 
I'm really thankful for your time today. If you did enjoy yourself, I want to encourage you again, please go over to iTunes and leave a rate and review. If you want to join our private group on Facebook, simply do a search for Up In Your Business and your uh, search profile in Facebook. Come and join us. I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you. May you live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. This has been Angus Nelson, setting you free to be your most effective self. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. <laughs>